We're back in the room, and you're listening to Sound Advice. Morning, everybody. Um, we're back in the room. You're listening to Sound Advice, Ballard's LLP medical podcast, and you join us on a windy day with Storm. I think it's Eunice outside. Is that right, guys? Yeah. yeah so we're all staying safe in our uh, in our remote places today. I'm joined today by uh, medical partner Mark Skellum and medical partner Ben Powell, but also with uh, one of our tax assistant managers, Tamara Shaw, who um, has a, an expertise and, um, and many years' experience within the healthcare sector. Um, so, morning, everybody. Thanks for joining me. Morning, Steve. Morning. Morning. So, we're about four to six weeks away from, from year-end, depending on when you're listening to this podcast. And, and it's always interesting to see what we can do in advance of that. Um, ben, do you want to sort of highlight a few things that practices should be thinking about prior to year-end? Yeah, thanks, Steve. I think um, the, the majority of practices have a, a 31st of March year-end. There are other year-ends, obviously, out there. Um, but the tax year also is relevant, which is a 5th of April date. So there's there's a fair few things to look at before we approach that date, possibly ways of, of saving tax, making sure we're maximising um, when we make superannuation provisions, etc. So one thing we should definitely be thinking about before the end of the tax year is whether there's any scope to invest in any new equipment or accelerate any expenditure before the 31st of March. Mark, did you have some thoughts on that? Yeah, thanks, Ben. Um, I, mean, I suppose, first of all, there's, there's an interesting point here, which is as accountants, we, we tend to um, like to sort of uh, get to a point where we can reduce the tax in, in this year, and sometimes that might kick the tax along the road into a future year. Um, and of course, that's that's normally um, what we what our clients want us to do. But it is just worth bearing in mind that we've got a tax rise on the horizon, and so um, from April, um, the national insurance rates um, go up by one point two five percent, which doesn't sound a lot, but um, that is a tax that is levied on virtually all your income if you are um, if you are a self-employed partner and so if you're earning um, you know if you're earning hundred thousand pounds or so then that's you know that's a good 1200 quid extra in tax so there is a there is an angle that might not always work to try and kick the tax into the future however we do recognize as a tax um, there was a cash flow saving that might come into play so you're talking about accelerating um, expenditure I suppose is one of the one of the main ones there so you know we are here sort of four weeks ahead of the year end and you know if you're a practice and you know that you are going to be spending some money whether that's on repairs or on new equipment new furniture anything like that and, and you're considering spending that money sort of april may june time then um it might be worth thinking about bringing that forward seeing if you can get that in before the end of the year um you're going to spend the money anyway so it shouldn't really impact um impact business overall but what it means is that you'll get the tax benefits sooner um, you'll get a deduction for that expense which means it'll come off your taxable profit for tax purposes in this tax year and therefore you'll have less tax to pay this year. The end result is going to be largely the same over time but of course it's it's always nice to have a, a lower tax bill sooner rather than later really. So that's 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 number one I think that's worth looking at then. Yeah, so I think the the classic saying 
tax delayed is tax saved, um, which I, I know we, we like to live by quite often, uh, may not be necessarily as true this year, but, but there's certainly an element of it there because, yeah, the, the delay will only save an extra 1.25%, but will ultimately make the saving take another 12 months to be realised. So I suppose it's yeah. whether, you know, in theory, if if you save the cash this year and invested it, you would probably be in a better position than waiting until next year to save the one point two five percent in tax. Absolutely right, it's cash, isn't it? That's what it comes down to. So, the other thing to think about, of course, is you probably or hopefully have a very good handle on on where the numbers are going to land for the the year end. One thing that we just really want to remind people of it is of course any surpluses in the PCN um, will be taxed on your practice income um, and this might be something that you're not necessarily aware of directly at this stage. Mark what, what are you finding with PCNs this year? I mean let's be I mean let's let's be honest I suppose you know when when the PCNs were set up, which was three years or so ago now, you know, this was at a sort of a pre-COVID time, and, and there wasn't really the expectation that PCNs would would potentially make as large a surplus as they have, or at least some of them have. Um, and so we have got to a point now where PCNs are generating significant surpluses. Um, and as Ben says, that needs to come into your accounts. Um, so if there is a surplus in your PCN, you need to take a share of it. And, and we've done a podcast on, on that topic, a separate topic previously. Um, but the, the same principles applies we've just spoken about, really. So if there's, um, you know, if there's planned spend in the PCN, then again, if it can be, if that spend can be accelerated, um, then that is more beneficial from a tax perspective. And it's absolutely crucial, though, that it's real spend. You know, just because the PCN has got rid of the cash doesn't mean that that is a spend for tax purposes. That is an allowable um, spend. You have to actually have spent it on something, either something tangible, something that you can, you know, some some some, some equipment that you can see and touch and, and, and kick or whatever, um, um, or you have to have paid for a service and that service has been delivered. You can't just spend the cash and, and for a service you're going to receive in the future. Yeah, um, certainly. But, as well, Mark, I, I know something we've been banging on for for a long time is is people often in PCNs will say, well, that that money is to take on a new member of staff or is ring fenced for something, and for tax purposes that doesn't work. It, it no, is taxable income in the current year, and then when the staff member comes along and is paid, it is a taxable deduction then. But we can't defer any profits even if they're sort of ring fence for some future purpose no absolutely right and, we, and we've spent hours and hours and hours debating that with with some pcns but you're absolutely right i mean if you um yeah if, if you're doing that then you're, you're very much on the tax evasion side rather than the tax avoidance and, and, and we don't like the tax evasion because that's the illegal bit um so um so yeah so, so that's the piece on the pcns and of course the, the pcns majority of them will be involved with booster campaigns um, and therefore there will be some significant money coming uh, coming from those so it's worth understanding what that is i think if you don't as a practice uh, or as a partner within a practice if you don't already understand what your share of income is likely to be from the pcn for the year to the end of march 2022 then i think you need to start finding out because you know it's all very well you having an idea of what your profit might be from your practice um, but of course, you're going to have to add on any profit from the PCN. So any tax planning that you're going to do, 
um, he's going to need to take account of those numbers coming in from the PCN. So don't forget, you know, don't feel embarrassed about asking the PCN for those numbers. You know, the PCN is 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 your money. You know, it, it's dealing with your money. Um, they should be able to give you the accounts. They should be able to let you know where they are up to where are we now. So, you know, certainly up to the end of December and ideally up to the end of January by now, which will give you a good idea about what's going on with the profit that you're likely to see, really. So I think that's the PCN piece you've got to bear in mind. Um, make sure you can try and bring that in. Um, and then, Mark, last year, I think we, we, we probably already looked at this last year, particularly because of COVID and the situation with people's holidays. Um, but, but certainly just reiterating the point that people should be looking at holiday pay provisions. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, just as a, I suppose, just rewinding very slightly what a holiday pay provision is. Um, if, we, if we assume that most businesses will have a holiday year, for, for their staff to allow them to take a holiday that runs uh, 1st of January through to 31 December. Um, and if you've got a 31 March year end, then if all your staff have taken a quarter of their holiday, because you're a quarter away through the year, then you won't have a holiday pay provision. It's as simple as that. But the reality is that in any normal year, you will probably find that staff will take more holiday in the, over the summer period than they do in the first three months of the year. And therefore, you owe them some holiday um, for the work that they've done in that first quarter of the year that haven't taken, and that creates a liability or can create a liability within your accounts. That has been exaggerated over the past couple of years, particularly I think last year um, with uh, sort of running up to March 21 uh, because we were in lockdown for much of the first quarter of the year um, and you know GPs were pretty busy dispensing jabs and, and, and all sorts. So um, that position... Would have been probably quite a large um, holiday pay provision at March 21, but it is something that's worth looking at again in March 22. Uh, you've got to look at it if you put a provision in, because you can't put a provision in based on uh, the numbers at March 21 and then just say that's the number forever. Uh, you do need to continue to look at it every year. And if you haven't put one in before, then I think it certainly is worth having a look at it again, because I think the same principle will apply this year to March 22, maybe not quite to the same extent, but the same principle will be there. And of course, if you're creating a provision, you're, you're, you're recognising there's a liability owing from the practice um, and you are reducing your profit and you're reducing your profit on which your tax is payable. Um, so that will reduce the amount of tax that you're going to pay. It doesn't have a cash cost uh, because you're not going to be doing anything different from a commercial perspective. You're just going to be allowing your staff to take the holidays in the normal way you would have done anyway. But it does recognise the fact that you owe them money um, you owe them holiday rather, and that has a financial cost. So, um, so yeah, that's another one worth bearing in mind. And one thing I think that that is useful that that we would encourage people do, probably not from a tax saving perspective, but more from a internal controls perspective, is just making sure that that people do a stock take. I know as as accountants generally most people just tell us that the stock has stayed the same and tell us to carry it forward, but we would really encourage people to look at their stock in more detail. Yeah, you're right, Ben. And um I mean, you know, if you were looking at um, you know, we have some corporate clients and obviously doing a stock take for those if you're a if you're 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 building widgets in a factory or something. Um, you know, those are pretty significant events. They'll take lots and lots of people, you know, a couple of days to do. We're not suggesting that at all um, here. But actually, um, I think you're right. Counting certainly the, the, the items of significant value um, is worth doing. I, mean, I once did have a GP client who used to do things like count the pens and count the photocopy paper and sort of and, and put a value on that. That's, that's not really 
what I'm suggesting, but actually go through the you know go through the drugs, count the count the Zolodex, count the, um, the, 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 the the strips for the testing, you know, and and the, the, the higher value stuff. You were dispensing practice, you should probably be doing that anyway. Um, but for the non-dispensing, just count the big stuff, and then it probably won't move very much year on year. But I think you're right; it's good as a control anyway, just to make sure things are working. Things are things are there. You might expect to be there, um, but it also means that maybe that historic number you've had in the account for a number of years of stock um, can be justified and, and can be supported, you know, year on year. Really brilliant. And then I think the big thing really to consider, and this is what Tammy's also joined us for, is to talk through superannuation. Um, Mark, do you want to kick off with your thoughts on superannuation payments? Yeah, I. I, I I won't bore you with my complete thoughts on superannuation payments because most of them are, are um, around PCSC and I, I shouldn't really be repeating those thoughts. But um, just as way of background, um, as you will be aware, you the way the system works is you make an estimate at the beginning of the year based on what you think you are going to be earning as profit. You then pay some money across to PCSE every month by way of your GMS statements um, based on that estimate. And then at the end of the year, there's a certificate done which works out the, the difference of what you might owe. Um, Tammy, so just remind us, how does that all work from a tax perspective, that payment process? Well, from a tax perspective, superannuation contributions are allowable when they are both paid and due. So if you've overpaid in a year and are due a repayment, then that repayment needs to be accounted for in the year that you've paid it. What will affect a lot more practices this year is what happens if you've underpaid. If you've underpaid, only the amounts physically paid in a year get you relief rather than the amounts that are due. And then when those end-of-year contributions are taken in the future, that's when they'll be allowable. Okay, so we've got... So if we're looking at... Um, I would expect, therefore, that the profitability for the year 21-22 for many practices is probably going to be higher than they anticipated. I think that's that's what, what we're probably... Um, expecting and so we're probably expecting most practices to have to pay catch-up payments Tammy then aren't we I guess from on that basis um, so if the if the superannuation certificates are done and signed and, and filed by the end of February this year uh, which they should be and you owe money as a partner when will that get taken um, it, theoretically, the PCSE say that if you've submitted the certificates by the deadline, they'll have taken the correct amounts by the end of March. In practice, that's very, very, very rarely what happens. And it makes sense, therefore, if you want to accelerate the tax leaf and make sure you get it against the higher profits you'll get in twenty one twenty two, to make a back payment. And then when the PCSE mm. take the money back in July or later in the year you can you wouldn't include it then it wasn't due and you'll get it back but at the same time it allows you to control when you get the tax relief sure so i mean you're you're assuming therefore that pca pcse rather get it wrong and take the payment as well as as well as allowing you to pay it and the, the actual as i understand it the actual process would be that if you pay it and you tick the box on the form to say you paid it then they won't take the payment on the statement but i think you're right you've got to be aware that there's a risk that they will take it um just because and this might surprise some people listening on the on the podcast pcse do occasionally get it wrong 
um, and, um, and and they do have a habit of taking payments twice. As you say, Tammy, you will get it back, uh, but you've got to be aware if cash is tight, that might be a, might be a consideration. And I guess um, it's it's most important um, for retiring partners as well. Anybody leaving the partnership, yeah. and and that's also important. I mean, that's equally as important for the current year as well, isn't it, though, Tammy? Because we're we are looking at superannuation certificates, which look at the profit for the year to March twenty one at the moment. You know, recording this in February twenty two. But of course, we're nearly a year beyond that, aren't we? So, um, presumably, we can do something if we know that our profit for the current year through to March 22 is also going to be higher than we estimated. Is that right? Yes, that's absolutely right. We are quite able to make quite good estimates of the amounts that are likely to be due if we've got figures up to the end of February, because we can just assume that March will be relatively similar. And that then gives us a figure on which we can calculate pretty accurate catch-up payments. So that, again, is helpful, especially in situations where a partner has earned, for example, above the 100000 and begun to lose personal allowance this year, because it ensures that they'll get relief at 60% rather than potentially relief next year at 40 And that's, that's the key, isn't it? And that's where, because Tammy, you and I were doing an exercise on, um, I say you and I, you were doing an exercise and you were, you were talking through the results, actually, on one of our larger practices. And we were looking at the payments that could be made for partners. And, and um, whilst for more than half the partners, it was tax efficient for us to make payments, it wasn't necessarily tax efficient to make payments for every partner, was it? Um, just because of where they sat in the tax bands. And we felt that for some, it was going to be more efficient to make a, a catch-up payment this year. But for others, we'd leave it into next year. So, and that's all about this 60% band of tax, isn't it? That horrible tax band that you've got between, what is it, 100 and 125,000 pounds, um, which really, 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 really painful, isn't it? It is. Okay. It is quite um, a painful band, especially when you build in the national insurance, which brings it up to 62%. It doesn't mean that you get to keep an awful lot of what you've earned in that band. It is something that we very much need to try and avoid. Yeah, no, that again is where it's helpful to have forecasts of profit, including the PCM profits, because that again lets you look and see, well, actually, is my income going to fall within that band? Is it going to be higher? Is it going to be lower? Yeah, it all comes back to the same point. Which I know we've done podcasts on in the past, isn't it, about having some sort of reliable information around what the profits might look like. Um, I think that's vital, quite important. This is a good example where it actually matters in, in cash. You know, it's going to be getting better off if you can do that. Um, Okay, that's great. Thanks, Tommy. Um, so I guess the takeaway from the super brand really is around um, understanding what those catch-up payments might be and if there's any benefit to making them prior to the year end. And so um, it is a little bit of an involved exercise, so get in touch with us if you, if you want us to have a quick look at how that might work for you. Yeah, thanks, Mark. So, so I think really it's thinking about expenditure before the year end, making sure you understand where the PCN is, Maybe considering holiday pay, and the big, big thing is just checking up on Superan and thinking about whether there's a, a timing thing that can be done to reduce your tax liabilities. Great. Thanks, everybody. Um, good food for thought there. Tammy, thanks for joining us today. Very, very interesting information. Um, stay safe in the wind, and uh, I'll catch you all on the next one. Thanks, Mark, Ben, Tamara. Bye now. Thanks, everyone. Cheers. Cheers. Bye-bye.